crypto is relevant because it can be the catalyst that we need to upend this top-down Pareto principle that today's power distribution falls prey to. Hey everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Lamb. Wherever you are, whoever you are, crypto skeptic, half believer, or enthusiast, it's really great to have you tuning in to Crypto Unstacked, where we bring you a cup of crypto every week and unstack everything from crypto finance to global macroeconomics. Bitcoin flipping the Pareto principle of power distribution. The Pareto principle goes something like this. The Italian economist Vilfredo Pareto observed that 80% of Italy's wealth was concentrated in 20% of the country's population. Its meaning has since extended beyond this particular observation to characterize uneven distribution in society, usually referring to production, power, and wealth. The core idea is that some contribute more than others in society, which results in this so-called 80-20 distribution. But if you're familiar with this principle, you'll know that this distribution isn't always a clean 80-20 ratio. In researching this subject, I came across a blog post on a website called Farnham Street, which interestingly is named after the street where the Berkshire Hathaway offices are based in Omaha, Nebraska. According to the website, Farnham Street is dedicated to improving your decision-making skills by helping you master the best of what other people have already figured out. They highlight a series on mental models, and this particular blog post is titled Winner Takes All which talks about how, quote, winner-take-all markets are increasingly dictated by feedback loops. Feedback loops develop when the output becomes the input, end quote. People are drawn to what others perceive are valuable, and as more attention is built up around that thing, the more valuable it becomes, and the cycle continues. The article goes on to say how having more information incentivizes us to pay attention only to the winners, the best of the crop. Quoting author Seth Godin, With limited time or opportunity to experiment, we intentionally narrow our choices to those at the top. In talking about the self-perpetuating nature of feedback loops, the article borrows from the book Success and Luck by Robert H. Frank, who explains that, quote, Success often results from positive feedback loops that amplify tiny initial variations into enormous differences in final outcomes, end quote. Isn't this the case for crypto? Crypto newcomers don't often ask about which top 10 cryptos to invest in. I'm not even sure they care about the top five. In my experience, at least, the question is, how do I buy Bitcoin? Bitcoin's moat lies in the strength of its narrative which has been slowly built up and supported over the past nearly 13 years. As Warren Buffett says, in order to win, you must first survive. There's a reason why Bitcoin is still around today and continues to dominate in market share. At the time of writing, Bitcoin's dominance is roughly 60-40 with altcoins sharing the remaining 40% of the pie. Bitcoin's longevity and dominance is an example of Pareto's principle. An article published in the 2017 Harvard Business Review called AI is Going to Change the 80-20 Rule explains that, quote, traditional distributions have disruptively changed. The dirty little productivity secret of big data is that Pareto's 80-20 insight has decayed into empirical anachronism. 
analytically aggressive firms increasingly see Pareto proportions closer to 1090, 550, 230, and even 125. Depending on how rigorously the data is digitally sliced, diced, and defined, Pareto's vital few becomes a vital fewer, end quote. While the focus of the article is on how corporate organizations can use AI to improve the application of Pareto principles to determine better disruptive value creation and predict tomorrow's vital few, you can also analyze this paradigm through a more social optic, specifically that of wealth and power distribution. In Chinese culture, the Pareto principle is referred to as the 2-8 principle. Jack Ma, Chinese entrepreneur and founder of Alibaba, aka the Amazon of China, believes that financial innovation should focus on flipping this principle. In his speech last month at the 2020 Bund Summit in Shanghai, Jack Ma openly expressed his thoughts on the current state of the domestic Chinese and global financial system, as well as the future of financial innovation. If you tuned into the speech, you'll know what I mean by a lot was said and simultaneously left unsaid. There are two things I found particularly interesting about his comments, both of which are long-held beliefs of his. When talking about production, he points out the status quo, which sees companies serving 20% of the customers contributing to 80% of the company's revenue. Again, not necessarily these numbers, but in principle. He argues that these companies should now look to focus on the other 80% of their customers. On the one hand, it makes sense to utilize the data-driven Pareto principles to drive corporate production and value creation. It's often referred to as a productivity hack, a means to find the shortest distance to produce greater profits. But Jack Ma believes that in addition to focusing on the most profitable 20%, companies must also keep an eye towards serving the needs of the other 80% of their customers. I think his point is about a mindset shift, about continuing to increase both richness and reach of service, whatever the industry. This is especially true when it comes to financial reach and building tools to offer greater access to financial products. This is becoming increasingly important in the age of internet finance. Taking the Chinese fintech company Ant Financial as an example, this means leveraging technology and data to increase financial inclusion. In some ways, alongside traditional financial tools, crypto is also becoming a means for driving financial inclusion around the world. Second, Jack Ma surprised many by highlighting digital currencies, which he believes will make a core part of the future financial system. Now, it's up to interpretation as to whether digital currency in this context means cryptocurrency, the central bank digital currency, or something else. Still, the question he poses is this. What problems can digital currencies solve for the future that can help to create more opportunities for the masses, specifically the next generation? Might digital currencies, specifically Bitcoin, be a catalyst for disrupting the top-down social power distribution through financial democratization? Notice that I say power distribution, not wealth distribution here. It's challenging to change the wealth distribution, which many of you listening will know follows the power law distribution that exhibits a long-tailed 
Distribution. That's a lot of distributions. While wealth distribution in crypto doesn't escape this power law, we are already seeing signs of this distribution becoming more even over time amongst Bitcoin holders. Crypto data analytics firm Coinmetrics has done a fair bit of analysis on crypto asset supply distribution. Their report from February 2020 looked at the distribution of tokens held by individual addresses for Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other assets. Looking at Bitcoin, they write that, quote, Bitcoin still has whales, but since the network's inception, its supply has become more evenly distributed, with smaller accounts comprising an increasing proportion of the aggregate supply. Addresses with smaller balances continue to represent the majority of accounts. In the face of a fluctuating dollar-denominated price, most addresses still control less than $100 worth of Bitcoin, end quote. However, remember that supply distribution is not a perfect representation of wealth distribution, as an individual could have multiple addresses, and there is no way to match this information. Nevertheless, it does give us a pretty good estimate of the general distribution. The report goes on to talk about what the supply distributions inform us about the usage patterns of these crypto assets. For example, they say that supply getting consistently more distributed could be a sign that the asset is getting real usage as a medium of exchange. Furthermore, analyzing sudden changes in the amount of supply held by addresses with large balances may lead to insights about selling and trading patterns. According to a recent Coindesk report titled Four metrics that show how the current Bitcoin rally is different from 2017, they cite four measures that show how the participants in this recent Bitcoin bull market are behaving differently than investors did in 2017. One of these metrics looks at Bitcoin whales and differences in their trading versus holding behaviors. They illustrate three graphs. The first graph shows addresses holding at least one Bitcoin. The number of addresses holding at least one Bitcoin increased from the end of 2013 to the 2018 crash. It picked up again in 2019 and leveled off earlier this year. This is different from the end of 2017 when it soared to a peak with the Bitcoin price. They say that this might be a signal that retail hype is less of a driver this time around. The second graph shows addresses holding at least 1,000 Bitcoin which shows that so-called Bitcoin billionaires or whales are not selling into the price run-up like they did back in 2017. And the third graph shows the cumulative change in Bitcoin held by level of liquidity versus the Bitcoin price from January 2017 to the present. This graph shows that Bitcoin investors are accumulating more in wallets that historically buy and hold and less in wallets that have shown a tendency to trade. Apart from wealth distribution, perhaps a more interesting angle to explore is the power distribution of Bitcoin, given its longevity and history. Bitcoin tells the story of decentralization despite the Pareto principle. And here I'm referring to Dan Larimer's analysis on this topic. Bitcoin's sound money properties are not subject to the influence of any one central bank, and therefore its power is not centralized to the degree that we see for fiat. Bitcoin is supposed to be the money of the people, not just the top 1% of society. Bitcoin only works because of a global decentralized network. 
in 2020, it might not be so radical to say that Bitcoin's progressive decentralization is making a dent in more than one way with increasing adoption by traditional financial services such as Robinhood, Square, and PayPal, offering crypto trading services to their millions of users. Crypto is relevant because it can be the catalyst that we need to upend this top-down Pareto principle that today's power distribution falls prey to. Crypto is enabling greater financial access to more people all over the world. Perhaps Jack Ma is onto something, focusing on empowering the 80% to drive forward massive value creation in the world. The financial innovation that's coming from this crypto revolution is not one to be underestimated. Thanks for tuning in, folks, and see you at the next episode. As always, hope you enjoyed this week's Cup of Crypto. If you like what you heard, please share and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, and anchor.fm slash crypto unstacked. Also check out our Crypto Unstacked YouTube channel. I'll provide details in the show notes. Until next time, take care unstackers and see you at the next episode.